AntiochSpeaks.com is a website that is fully uh, immersive in the gospel. We want to take the gospel of Jesus Christ from the Bible and apply it to actual uh, daily living, actual things that people have challenges with. It's very easy to pull things out of the Bible and throw them at stuff without actually applying them to real situations that come and go. We have a lot of people on this website that spend a lot of time on different ministries and everyone is willing to work together as a family. Come check out AntiochSpeaks.com, check us out on YouTube, and check us out wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Man, I sound so ghetto. Because I, I, you know, growing up in Smyrna and stuff, like, you know, I always had that little bit in me, whatever, whatever. And now, I listen to it and all I think is, God, I'm so country. It's like the ghetto has, like, moved its way out of me. It's really weird. As I've gotten older, like, that's kind of like gotten out I'm, but in I'm, person, like I'm an understanding member of society in person people still know that we're ghetto <laughs> yeah I, I know you get you get, get far it, into I, the conversation with me yeah yeah they, I, I see people that are you know like you said outstanding members of society and they'll throw up like a mock gang sign at me and they're always like yo what's up that means the Smyrna comes out of me in our day-to-day communication or they would not do that. <laughs> yeah, they wouldn't do that. Well, that's, I mean, that's yeah, the thing, like, and, and I don't know uh, whether it sounds racist or not. I, I don't know. I don't think, anyways, like, when I'm around black people who are talking, like, a little more ghetto than me, I end up moving in that direction with my, with the way I talk. When I'm around Hispanic people who talk with an accent, like, I find myself almost talking with an accent when I'm talking to them. When I'm around like uber white folks, like I will talk more country than I normally do. It's just I don't know. It's just kind of I think a lot of people do that though. I think that's like a thing where people just kind of kind of adapt to kind of the situation they're in. Yeah. Well. Okay. Here's another thing I noticed on our recording when I when I played it back. We get there's times where we get you can't hear us. Uh, maybe because it's a phone call. Did you notice yeah. that? There was a couple okay, of times, so, but, at the, but with that said, I didn't, like, those times that cut out on the recording cut out for me in real time when we were talking. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I feel like it was yeah. something on, on your end with the recording or whatever, whatever. But, yeah, those, like, it was you talking, and then all of a sudden you would cut out. Well, that happened, like, while we were actually talking, and then I, I, I noticed it on the recording and remembered it happened, if that makes sense. Yeah. So what you just said, okay, is I've been made fun of for when I go into a Mexican restaurant with my friends. I might order, and I might use some broken Spanish, or I change my dialect. Um, yeah, definitely. If I get around a comfortable, I don't think it's black Americans. I just think it's a comfortable setting. Um, Ebonics comes out. I, I, I went into, you know, school in my middle school and, and, and my first part of high school was a majority black place. And then, you know, let me, let me restate what I said, because in, in reality, if I get around, white people who are ghetto as hell and talk that way, I'll start talking that way too. So uh, it's not just 
yeah, it's not just black people. It, like when I get around anybody that, that that talks the way that we used to talk when you know we were in high school, early twenties and stuff, I start to go back in that direction with my dialect. So yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, and again, it's not me mocking someone else's culture or you know trying to culturally appropriate anything. It's me comfortable. This is how yeah. I was. This is how I communicated as a child going into my adult years. Um, some of the, I, I don't know, swagger, uh, I don't know what to call it, but this, you know, if anything, when you see, you know, that's when I'm faking it. That's when, you know, if I go into a business meeting or something like that, I'm going to do my best to not be that way. Um, but my natural state is, I guess some would say it's a little bit of a, a hood or something. I, I don't know, yeah. but um, well, I mean, let's, know, be, it, let's be real honest. We were both we were both wiggers when we were in, for lack of a better term, when we were in middle school and late twenties. I mean, I think you hung on to that a little bit longer than me, but not really. I mean, but yeah, like that's how we were back then. So, well, yeah, it's I almost started, like in my twenties, it's really easy to fall back in stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, and but here's what I found was was kind of interesting now as an adult, and having people make fun of me because if I am in a room full of Latinos, I tend to use the Spanish words that I know, and I kind of change my dialect and 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 et cetera, et cetera, and people make fun of me for it. But it actually was something that it, number one is is biblical, and I'll I'll, get, I'll go to that in a second. But Barack Obama was good at it. And people yeah. championed it that if he was in a room full of, uh, you know, upscale, you know, people, he spoke properly and educated that he had. But if he was more in a room of, you know, uh, entertainers and, and celebrities, he had a swagger about him that was kind of cool. It, it, it is the it's social intelligence. It's something that, you know, you can kind of chameleon and you kind of get along with everyone and you can speak their, their jargon. And yeah. uh, it's, it's a social intelligent thing. If we have somebody listening to us that's proper and we're, you know, uh, watching our mouth and not cussing a lot, I'm just going back to the last episode just to remind you again at the beginning of this. I, I, um, <laughs> that was a good segue. That was, that was a great segue, by the way. <laughs> but no, you know, when you, if you if you can do it, now Paul in the Bible said, "I'm I'm every man I'm all men to all people" or something like that. And it's just it, it, when he was preaching the gospel, if he was preaching to the Jews, he was a Jew. When he preached to the Gentiles, he was you know he identified with the Gentiles. It's just part of social intelligence, I think. Um, yeah. Though you know you know what else is part of social intelligence is that someone might get offended if you behave that way. I don't know. That's true. So after listening to the first one and knowing that most of our interviews, most of our things are going to be done over the phone, do you think of a, yeah. uh, of a name of something that would be cool? You know, Rush Limbaugh I didn't and know. the EIB network was cool. Uh, I didn't know that I was. I didn't know that I was supposed to be, or that I should be. So, after this one, I will definitely put some thought into that. Like I haven't. I didn't think about it at all. Yeah. So, 
But you know what? I really thought I was going to call it the awesome BJ show. But then, you know, that sounds terrible. <laughs> can't, can't really call um, it that, I don't think. I don't know. We'll, put, we'll figure it out. But, um, I had it. So, anyway, so you, you had some. Oh, let me go, let me go back into your text. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna go I, back I in your text so I can so I can get like right in it. Um, and I, I don't know if, how much liberals you have left. I lost a lot of liberals this week. I I don't have a lot of liberals, but I have a cool conversation while we're waiting for you to kind of look up the text and kind of think about. Well, what we're I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it. And the first first topic you said was that liberals who disapprove now saying both sides are trash, which which yeah, I mean I you know. It's so funny. I mean, I think I hit on this. I don't know if it was on our last podcast together or if it was just when we were talking outside of that, that, you know, there's a lot of people on my page that were, they're liberals. We'll just call it, we'll just say that as a, you know, all encompassing. But when Biden was running against Trump, they professed to not care because they wanted Bernie. And here's all I have to say about that is that the policies, any policy that Joe Biden has put into place or taken away that has caused harm to the American people through the economy, through, through whatever, would have been worse under Bernie. Bernie's policy would have gone one step further. Whatever that means for any particular policy, that's where Bernie would have gone one step yeah. further. And so it really bothers me, and it, it, I guess it, it scares me some, is that they're, they're so disillusioned with this democratic socialism crap that they yeah. think that Biden, Biden being the quote-unquote centrist that he, everybody touted him to be, and him doing this, what he's done now, and it being a, 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 an abysmal failure, they think that if Bernie would have been in and gone farther with it, that it would have been the opposite of an abysmal failure whatever you want to call it, an abysmal or a, a magnificent triumph or whatever, whatever. And it worries me because that's the level of stupidity that is in our voting pool. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so let's start with this. So you're basically saying if Bernie Sanders had won, he would have done similar things to Joe Biden, but, but even more. Um, one of the things yeah. that I heard uh, was a Biden policy is to get more windmills and more, um, you know, natural energy or, or whatever they call it, green <laughs> energy. And yeah, the go. parts that you need for these things come out of China. So he's really, this policy of green energy has really supported the Chinese economy, the Chinese government. How much yeah. of that? that just that one thing is really in Biden's hands and not the Senate and the Congress, do you, do you think? What we've, what we've learned over the past what, two decades, 
how much can really be done through executive order, at least for like a period. You know what I'm saying? Like, like a, yeah. you know, to put in an executive order and that executive order will stand until challenged. And even when it's challenged, it'll stand until shot down by the court or, or by Congress making a law that goes against whatever, whatever. So I think a lot of it can be laid at at Biden's feet because stuff like foreign policy is typically dictated by the president. So, and stuff like energy policy and stuff like that, I mean, he has an energy czar and yada, yada. Like these things are coming from the White House. I mean, there's no laws on the books for for us to be using more wind or tur- or whatever. There's no law saying yeah. that we have to do this. Companies have to do this. I mean, there may be some industry standards that have changed that way, and there may even be some state laws that change that way. But as far as the federal government goes, there aren't really that many. I mean, there are some, you know, EPA laws that are on the books, but a lot of them are just are just standard, or just better word, regulations. And that's where it really comes in because the president can put in regulations through through the FDA, through the EPA, through the, you know what I'm saying? Like, like through yeah. these companies, or co- not companies, through these um, organizations that are a direct link, have a direct link to the executive branch, he can do a lot of stuff through that. And, I mean, I think, I think we saw it a lot with Obama, and I think that, um, especially with the regulations. I mean, Obama instated more regulations than I think any president before him through these various agencies. And I think what we saw with Trump and people, you know, call me whatever you want to call me, hate Trump, like Trump, I don't give a, I don't really care. What he did say, though, is for any regulation, any new regulation that we we're going to put out, we have to get rid of two. Because there are so many redundancies in a lot One of these agencies in the regulations. We need to get rid of two regulations. That's what you just said? Yes. For every one yes. new regulation, we need to abolish two. Okay, yes. I'm going to read yes. this to you real quick. All right, unless you unless you got another point you're trying to make. No, go, go ahead. Go ahead. I just I wanted to, you know, that, that through, through things like this regulations and stuff like that, this is how you can lay – stuff like that at the president's feet because him, his administration has made a regulation saying that XYZ company must use more green energy. Therefore, they're getting more from China. Therefore, they're helping China. He's not out there promoting helping China, but his yeah. policies are just doing it. Anyway, go ahead. Okay, so I'm gonna read this, and then and then I wanna let's let's obliviate, obliviate, you know the word I'm trying to look for, obliviate, pontificate, pontificate. (laughs) (laughs) It just means let's let some of the Smyrna come out. All right, so on inauguration day, President Biden's chief of staff, Ron Klain, issued a memo directing agencies to stop the regulatory presses until incoming political appointees had an opportunity to review 
pending regulations. Regulations take several years to develop, so every new administration inherits a bevy of regulatory projects in various stages of completion and ranging from not at all to massively controversial. A chief of staff memo is now routinely used by incoming administrations to ensure that any discretionary policy choices in the queued up regulations are aligned with the new administration's goals. When I read, when I read that paragraph, I hear the president plays a huge role in how much your stuff is costing you, how easy or hard it is to start up a business, uh, your, your automobile, if you have a 1985 and you can't drive it anymore, the president probably played a major role in that. There's, there's like a lot going on in that one paragraph. On inauguration day, they're issuing memos that everyone stops until the yeah. current administration figures out what you've been doing. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, I, and I, I mean, I'm glad that it went on into saying that the it's a it's become a a standard thing because I was gonna that was gonna be my point is that I mean. I, I'm sure every administration does this. Like you don't want what they don't want is for a previous administration to on the last week of their presidency just write up a slew of freaking regulations to almost hinder the incoming administration from doing you know what they want to do or whatever whatever and i so i get that i get that no matter what the previous administration does as far as regulation goes the the next administration has every right to undo right i mean sure elections have elections have consequences whatever them doing this thing of everybody stop is kind of saying we don't want to go we don't want to have to do more than what we already have to do. You know what I'm saying? Like, let's yeah. let's not put let everybody stop anything that's not already in place. We're not doing that. And and for me personally, if I was coming into office and somebody was and there was say 50 regulations that were in the process of being approved or whatever, whatever, I would stop them all and automatically discount them. And be like, we're not doing that at all. And then I would go in. And look at everything you know that is that is actually fully in place, and you know what as far as what I and then what I want to do with my administration or whatnot, and then I would start putting in my own regulations or deregulate deregulating some things the way I saw fit. I would completely stop it. Like I, so I, I mean I get that, but like you're saying, yes, that is why the president has so much power in certain aspects, like. Like the climate control thing, uh, drug and alcohol stuff. The, I mean, just all kinds, of, like little things like that. Anything that there is that has a three or four letter acronym for it that ends with administration. <laughs> the acronym ends with administration or, um, like the, or like the CIA and stuff like that. Like any of those things. The president has basically full control over them. They're, almost all of them are a are an extension of the executive branch. So he has control over those. So he has control over the FDA, the EPA, all that kind of stuff. And so 
he doesn't even have to really write anything. All he has to do is yeah. tell whoever he has, whoever he is in, has in charge of the EPA, hey, this is kind of what we want to do, and then that person puts out the regulation. And it, in this same article, it says that when Biden first was inaugurated, he just got rid of Trump's policy. Yeah. So it well, was almost said, as yeah. if, yeah, like you said, and it was almost, but it's such a broad stroke, right? So this is kind of what I wanted to talk about because I, I do kind of want maybe on the next time we do this is I'm going to read off what Trump did in his first 90 days and what Biden did in his first 90 days, but not tell you which president did what. And then you guess, well, you know, well, saying, like, me, I'll read a policy and then you guess let me which rebut. president it was. Or let me ask you a question real quick before you do that on the article you just read. Did it say he got rid of all of his um, policies and regulations or just the ones that were in process? Uh, it says the way the verbiage is, and, and you remember, you know, the way people write about Biden versus the way they write about Trump is so different. But it says on his first day in office, the president, Biden, issued executive order 13,992, which revoked a suite of Trump executive orders, including Trump's signature regulatory policy and created the regulatory two for one and it revoked Trump's budget. So yeah, so he, so he undid Trump's two for one. I mean, anyways, see, here's my thing is what a good leader would do. It's like I said, come in, any ones that are, any ones that aren't, you know, done yet, that are still in process, like, you can end all those. That's fine. But the other ones, the ones that are already in place, that the president got, you know, got in place and whatever, whatever, hey, like, because here's, here's one thing that I feel like a lot of people don't think about is the fact there's a folder, for lack of a better word, in a desk in the Oval Office that is only seen by presidents of the United States of America. So, until you get behind that desk and are privy to all of the variables, all of the information, all of that, why don't you wait before you just blanketly undo everything the previous administration did. Why don't you That's talk to it. some people and see what that, okay, this, this particular exactly, policy that he did. Right, sorry, yeah. go ahead. This is exactly the topic I wanted. I'm going to make one more statement about what Biden ended up doing with Trump because he just blanketly erased everything. So what, yeah. when he did this, this is one of the things, that, and, and I want, it's going to be hard to understand. But I want to see if you agreed with this policy or you didn't. Trump's policy, 13,891, directed agencies to make their guidance documents available on a consolidated website and to write rules about their internal procedures for issuing guidance documents. The rules were to include provisions requiring agencies to write on each of its guidance documents that guidance is non-biting and to take procedural steps, including a review, economic analysis, and public comment periods. 
prior to issuing significant guidance documents. So that was a Trump policy that when Biden blanketly... Basically saying that companies need to be transparent about what kind of things that they're doing. Government agencies. Oh, government agencies. Yeah, need to be more transparent about what guidelines they're putting in. They need to give the... They need to give us, the people time to review it and maybe ask some questions right now listen to this before you comment commentate listen to this statement that this website's made and again keep in mind this website's probably written by someone who's leaning towards the left okay and and still they wrote this anyway after this was issued in october of 2019 the agencies began to set up their guidance websites and began to write their rules like trump had told them that they needed to But by the end of Trump's administration, not all of these agencies had completed their tasks. 36 agencies issued guidance rules for large agencies, the Department of State, the Treasury, and the Homeland Security, as well as the Small Business Administration, did not issue any guidance rules at all. When Biden Biden revocated this, after his in, in, after inauguration day, it told the agencies not only to stop trying, but to go back and unwind anything they had already done, which includes removing any guidance websites and move anything, I'm sorry, a move that was decreed by those who thought the websites were sensible approach to help the public locate agency guidance. This, I think after reading this, Removing this was injustice to the American people. Yeah, and 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 it's why I say, hey, let's go through everything and just kind of take a look. Some of these policies, I'm sorry, man, I don't care what kind of ideologue you are, whatever, whatever. I can sit and admit that there were some policies that Barack Obama put into place that worked that did some good for the country. Correct. The Dems have to be able to admit that Trump did as well. Therefore, when you come into office, just take a look. Some of it helped. Let's keep those. Let's just keep, I mean, let's say it's 10. Let's say it's 10. You want to undo 50, but 10 of them were good. So never mind. You still get to undo 40. Like, come on. Like, just yeah. take a look. Anyway, go ahead. Sorry. So that what this according to this article, um, Biden's basically first ninety days was changing the regulatory process of the American government and removing all of Trump's policies and renewing the regulatory process of the American government in a pandemic era time. So all of the current regulatory processes of the United States government are based on COVID. But I don't think they are. I think a lot of them are just back to, that was the one thing about Trump that, that, that I think a lot of people like felt good about him being the president is that he wasn't the status quo. He tried to take us away from some of the same old, same old shit stuff that hasn't been working. And so when you come in like Biden and do this, 
you say we're it's on it says you know all these things are you know in a covid time i don't think so i think the majority of them we just went back to how things were before trump like we just went back to to obama policies basically and a lot of in a lot of things i mean some of the things some of the things were changed because of covid yes but as far as like a, a, a on a whole i think that i think that's people trying to say or this writer trying to say, well, Biden had to do this because of COVID. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like that's worth. Yeah, like he had to do it because of COVID. Donald Trump's regulatory processes and his things were no good for a COVID pandemic error. And I don't see how that's, I don't see how that's even something that can be an, an argument that can be made. Like, like, especially the one you just, the, the example you just gave of, of him saying that, these agencies had to give guidelines or, you know, give websites to show them. Like, how awesome would it have been to have the CDC have to have a website discussing why they're coming to these, you know, these things and for the public to be able to go on, go and be like, wait, wait, whoa, 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 and ask questions and stuff. How awesome would that have been? Yeah. Yeah. But no. Like, they completely cut that out. So, I mean, I, you know, I, I just think that the standing policy of the federal government is to hide as much as they can, be as yeah. the least transparent that they can possibly be. And Trump That's went right. against we that. Yeah, yeah, we are right now, the media is a state-run media out of choice, not force. They've decided yeah, I, to back. I've even heard, I've even heard Democrats talk about, because when Obama came into office, he talked about, I'm going to be the most transparent president we've ever seen, blah, blah, blah. I've even heard Democrats talk about the fact that he was, in fact, the least transparent of all. And the thing about Trump is, say what you want again, but, the man gave press conferences, or he talked to the press, like, almost every day. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, whenever yeah. he would go out to his helicopter or to the, to the, his limp, wherever, there would always be press out there, and he'd always stop and talk to him. Yeah. And so, to me, that's a, at least somewhat of a level of transparency. He would answer questions. He was pretty candid. He was very, you know, he was Trump. He was always just Trump. And yeah. and now we're back to, and then if you look at the policies he, he instituted, those were meant to move towards government transparency. And now we're back to hide as much as we can. We don't want these peasants to know what we're up to. Yeah. Which is the antithesis totally. of what our government is supposed to be. And they are, I'm telling you, um, anybody listening, you know, our 11, our 11 faithful listeners, is <laughs> the, uh, the current administration is terrified of the American people knowing what's happening. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I always oh, felt like yeah. Trump would just tell you what was happening. Like, he just... You know, I remember someone joked and said if there was aliens, Trump would have told us about it. Yeah. Because he just said, you know, whatever. 
So I'm going to read this now real quick to you. I know the reading is so, so exciting and it's awesome. And we're wait. you know, we've spent 30 minutes and we haven't really covered any topics that I texted you about. But it says Trump's first True. 100 days, he signed 24 executive orders. Okay. Okay. Donald Trump had 28 new bills. He had presidential Miranda and presidential proclamations, which we'll get into someday, but not today. About a dozen of these bills roll back regulations finalized during the last months of his immediate predecessor, Barack Obama. I want to talk about how Barack Obama went out versus how Trump left. What, trying to trying to get as much push through as he possibly could? Yeah, like it, it felt like President Obama left trying to really – it was almost like if you and I got mad at one of our little um, minimum wage yeah, jobs. He, was like, he did as much as he know, could, sabotages. yeah. Yeah, like, oh, I'll show you. And, you know, we try to steal their laptop. You know, now, we do steal you, a company do you phone. That, do you think that's because he was he was mad about Trump being elected or the fact that – do you think he would have done that regardless just to – because, I mean, I mean let's, let's be honest. I mean, Trump's an arrogant narcissist, but Barack Obama is an arrogant narcissist. So my honest I, opinion I, on this, and this is just my opinion, I think Obama and the Democrats left the way they left when Trump won because they had all their eggs in the basket that Hillary was going to win and that Obama mm-hmm. was going to remain in control. I think that's Somewhat. why they they pulled the way they pulled was well, because I don't, Obama I, expected I, I, I to don't, be... I don't think... Wait, wait. Obama is more in control now than he would have been in a Hillary Clinton administration. Yeah, I'm going to have to disagree. I'm going to have to disagree with you on that point because Hillary Clinton is just as much of an arrogant narcissist as Obama. There is no way. I didn't say she was going to let him dictate. I said he believed. He I think that the Obama okay. administration and the Democrats believed she was going to win, and they believed that they would be in the, they'd still be playing the game. They didn't think that the, the conservatives were going to take over everything. Trump or won, and the Republicans she, won. Or at least that she would govern very, very similarly to the way he did. At least that. Yeah, yeah at least I mean, look, that, yeah. When, he, when Trump got in... He had the advantage of the Republican Party majority in the representatives and in the Senate. They dominated everything. The Republicans dominated the entire thing. So I think that's why you saw the sabotage when they left. Um, The sabotage of Obama I don't think was that much different than the sabotage of Trump. I mean, Trump's way of leaving was also really bad. Um, Yeah, I mean, I I mean... And whether you think the election was stolen or not or whatever, there was a different way to go about it than what Trump did. Totally. I mean, there was plenty of legal avenues that he had that, that he used. He, he, did use, he did use the legal avenues as well, but he could have done it without all the rhetoric. And I think part of me thinks a lot of the pushback that he got for, on the legal avenues was because of his rhetoric. I think he may have gotten a little farther in his pursuit of 
trying to prove election fraud, whatever, 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 if he would have kept his mouth shut more. Of course, sure. that's not Trump. But, I mean, I just, I think that he, I think he would have gotten a little bit more. Well, what's the, the old saying? You, you catch more flies with, with honey? Yeah. Then, yeah, I, I, so, I think he, you know, he went out bad. I don't think he was prepared. Uh, some say he, he didn't prepare ahead of time for the election to have, to be tampered with. He, he just didn't know how to be prepared for that. Yeah. I don't know if you read that, but I, I saw that somewhere that said, in order for him to make some of the claims he made, he would have had to have done it ahead of time. He would have had to be ahead of it, and he just didn't. Again, this man was not a politician. He he didn't know, yeah. and he didn't have the right kind of people in his corner. Nobody was really in his corner, man. He, he just like like that yeah, part of the even. article I just read that said these agencies didn't even comply with what he was doing. They just yeah. blew him off until the, until the election was over, and they didn't. And have I'm to do wondering that. I'm wondering if that's because they knew that they were going to actually steal this one or if they just, like if, if he had won and had another four years, would they have complied then or did they have just, you know, out of sheer shock I, I definitely that their think cheating didn't work again, <laughs> they would have just went ahead and complied. If, if, if Trump would have won the 2020 presidential election, I think heads would have rolled. In the, yeah. in the in the White House, I think we you, you know because people just blatantly disrespected him there, you know, with COVID and everything else. He just kind of didn't listen to him. You know, COVID, yeah, was, a, COVID was a big game changer. It's so funny to me to hear people talk about Biden. Um, Biden inherited this unprecedented um, pandemic. That blah 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 blah. But give Trump no credit or, you know, that's, to me, that's giving Biden credit for, for, for having to work in, in that kind of condition of, you know, a, an unprecedented pandemic. But no, no such recognition or whatever is given to Trump, who was in office when it hit, <laughs> before we had any kind of control over, before we had any kind of our heads around it at all, like, when it just freaking blasted onto the scene and started killing thousands of people out of the blue, he was stuck in that and gets no yeah. credit for that at all. Like yeah. it, it, people act like people act like the pandemic hit in November of 2020, and and Obama and or in even in December of 2020, and Biden just inherited all of it. No, it was around for almost the. What, it hit the scene in what? The two thousand what yeah. in two thousand nineteen or two thousand twenty? Yeah. Which one? Can we say it one more time. Did it hit That's the scene the in two thousand ten? Did wait, it hit the scene wait, in two thousand nineteen or two thousand twenty? Which part? COVID. When COVID really like blasted onto the scene, was that in when we started locking was, down? It was, yeah, it was. It was March of. 2019. Was it? I, see, I don't remember. I, I, it's been so long. It's it been so the election year. just whatever. Yeah, it was the election year. Um, well, the election year was 2020. No, that's that was Biden's first year, right? No, the the oh, even yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. Then, it was, then, it, then it was March 2020. Excuse me. Yeah, okay. then it was March um, 2020. 
but so um, so we'll say 11 uh, 10 11 months the last 10 we'll say the last 10 months of Trump's presidency was full on full blast no you know no um no vaccine no nothing just pure covid and he gets no recognition for that that he put up with that i mean he and by the time biden took office there was an all there was an upturn already starting in the economy yeah because trump had started to let think some things open back up and blah 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 and because he gets you, you got to remember something. We got to open back up. We got to open this back up. We can't do this. He was people were yelling at him because he was going against Fauci and whatever, whatever. But things were starting to open back up, and there was a slight pickup in the economy, which I I would say that if Trump would have won by the end of 2021, we would have been roaring again. But he didn't, and you I see where we are now. Just like Florida's economy. I feel like America yeah. would look like Florida's economy. Exactly. And people want to talk about, well, DeSantis did this and DeSantis did that. If, if you look at the raw data and look at the numbers, man, like the, there's absolutely no difference in cases, deaths, whatever, whatever, in Florida than in any in California. I mean, well, I mean, I think there's actually more in California, New York. So, I mean, yeah. anything he did, it proved that no matter what we do, COVID's going to do what COVID's going to do. So let's just open up and, and live our lives cautiously and just, you know, go on about our business. And I think DeSantis proved that. I think Kemp proved that somewhat. Um, and so and I think, you know, Greg Abbott proved that in, in Texas and some other, some other states around the country. And then people in, like, New York and California proved that if you do it the opposite way, you're going to have the same numbers, but you're going to tank your economy, which, I mean, case point, you see people move, moved in mass exodus out of California during the pandemic. More than, right, you know, right. people always, people are always moving out of California to go to Florida. Like, it's the thing. People are always moving out of New York to go to Florida. But during the <laughs> pandemic, it was at an exponential rate. Is it like, younger people, let's say in their 20s, move from states like Georgia, Florida, whatever, to California because they don't know any better. And then by the time they hit their 40s, they're moving out of California back to a state like Florida because, wow, when you have people like Bill Maher saying, I love California, but it's getting to the point where I'm thinking about moving, you have, you're going down the wrong road. And I know you don't like me bringing up Bill Maher because you think that he's just you know, trying to placate to some part of his audience. But I've listened to a lot of his stuff, man. He still bashes Trump, and he still bashes the Republicans. He still does this, he still does that. But he is very like, you people are crazy. <laughs> like, yeah. it, it, what he's always said is, like, I, he's like, I haven't changed. I'm still the same liberal I have always been. Y'all have gone absolutely off the reservation. With yeah, I mean, the I things that y'all put, you know, I still, I still have a challenge of listening to him for a whole hour. It's still, yeah, quite hard. Even though he, you know, some areas, and, and you used to listen know. to him. You used to listen to him religiously. I never did. I've always, I, I couldn't I stand listening to Bill Maher. 
Yeah. I used to love him. And can I tell you why, man? Because this this goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning of this, where you just come in and you just get the other guy's stuff out. You don't even read it. You don't even care what the other guy's stuff did. We just got to get rid of it. It's the other guy. I don't necessarily agree, man, that I can be a Christian conservative, right, who thinks that, uh, you know, I like my guns, but we could use a little gun control. There's nothing nothing wrong with a little more gun control. I mean, we did let, you know, a guy buy a whole bunch of stuff within like a week period of time to shoot up a Batman movie, and nobody asked, why why are you buying all this armor and stuff, like, in in just a few couple of days? I'm a I'm a Christian conservative that could say, hey, man, you know, marijuana and heroin and all that stuff could be legal. I'm not going to use it. Like, yeah, I, I don't you know, What's the big deal in making drugs legal? As a matter of fact, if if some of these narcotics were legal, they'd be safer. There, there wouldn't be fentanyl in them. Um, would they be more sure. affordable or not? I don't know. But we could definitely watch, you know how much trace you know how much tracy might use or something we could keep an eye on it if it was legal uh and i wouldn't use it so you know abortion could be legal and uh i'm not going to get one and and i'll do the best to raise my children not to get one i do think with abortion we should call it you know killing a baby i i for some reason i hate terminate pregnancy i hate the the different verbiage we use um when you're killing a baby um, but you know, it could be legal. That that kind of makes me pro-choice. It makes me a Christian conservative. <laughs> it's like it's like Louis C.K. Um, so Louis C.K. had a bit. It was about abortion. And he was like, "I'm for a woman's right to choose." I, you know, I think a woman can do whatever don't she wants. Cuss. So, well, what? Don't you dare cuss. I know this kid. I know where you're going, and don't you dare say a cuss word. Okay. I, well, I wasn't gonna go verbatim because I don't remember it verbatim. So I'll 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 do it the way. I'll do it without, hopefully without cussing. Um, and he says, he was like, he's talking about, you know, pro-life protesters. And he's like, he's like, people down, get down on them or whatever. Like they're, they're so out of control or they're so mean or whatever. He's like, do you understand? They believe you are killing babies. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. he's like, He's like, let's be honest. It's it's a little it's a little bit like killing babies. And he's like, yeah. He's like, he goes, you kind of no, it's a hundred percent. It's a hundred percent killing babies. It really is. He goes, it's either killing babies or you're taking a dump. It's one or the other. Either you're killing a baby or you're taking a dump. It's one or the other. And he's like, he says, he says, it's a hundred percent killing a baby, but. I'm for women killing babies. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, which, which, yeah, is, yeah. which is appalling, which is appalling. But at the same time, it, it, you know, it, you know, if if that's the stance that you want to take, then I could have a conversation with you about the issue. You know what I'm saying? If you yeah. take a a stance where you don't even think remotely at all that is killing babies, then we don't really have much to, to debate about. We're not going to see eye to eye at all on this topic yeah. because, like you said, it should at least be called what it is. I mean, if you're killing babies, you're killing babies. And, and here's the thing, and this is why people won't relinquish that and say, yeah, because if it is killing babies, 
then it can be tried as murder, period. And then yeah. it should be made illegal. But what he says is he was like, he was like, they say that they want it to be rare and safe. He's like, yeah. if it's not killing babies, then why does it need to be rare? If it's so virtuous or whatever, why rare? Why not just anytime you want? Take a dump, take a dump, take a dump. Like, it doesn't matter. Take a dump. But yeah, exactly. It, it makes a good point that if you don't see that there's something a little bit amoral about it, then there's no reason for you to use the term rare. Because why does it need to be rare? It doesn't. If it's if there's nothing amoral about it whatsoever, then who cares how rare it is? And I think that's the yeah. you know I don't know how we I mean we went off on a on a thing or whatever. You were talking about the fact that you were a Christian conservative, and you were telling me why you like listening to Bill Maher. Sorry. No, yeah, I'm a Christian conservative that can, you know, I I, I don't know what to call it. Our funding, right? Um, we, we fund the military, and I'm, I'm totally behind that. Um, Trump's idea of taxing China and all the, his ideas, I'm behind all of those. I'm behind all of those ideas. Yeah. I love them. But our public schools need better funding. And that's, yeah. a, that's a, social, it's a social program that gets chopped, you know, but, quick. But here's the thing, and just to play a little devil's advocate, some of the most, some of the the, the most poorly ran schools, and some of those, you know, some of the schools that have the worst numbers as far as test scores and this, that, and the other thing, are some of the schools that get some of the most money from the federal and state government of where they are. So there's something to be said about just throwing money at a problem and expecting it to get better, which is the Democrats motto, throw money at it until it gets better. And that's just not the way the real world works a lot of the time. And so maybe it needs to be better funded, but I do think that it needs to be like they talk about right now. I listen to Glenn Beck a lot and every, every, uh, candidate that he has on you know during his show he asked them what their stance is on the department of education and the the answer he's looking for is to abolish the department of education and send education back to the states without any of the federal government being involved and the problem with that is is you lose the federal government funding if you get rid of the Department of Education. But I also think that if you do that, you, you, you get rid of a lot of the, your taxes should go down because a lot of your tax, a lot of the tax money or some of the tax money that we spend goes to the Department of Education. So if that is abolished, then our taxes should go down. And then state tax, states can raise their taxes a little bit to compensate for the fact that they're gonna have to pay for the education now, which actually I'm, I'm for that because I think the federal government sticks their nose entirely too much, period. Entirely too much. Like, get out of my face. Like, get out of it. But 
as far as saying they need to be more well funded, I think that I think that is just too simple of an answer for what is wrong with our education system. Okay. Um, so if I if I argued throw more money at it, let's say I opened the to the, the, the debate with, hey man, some of these public schools are not receiving enough funding. I would like to give them some more money. Your response would be, we need to regulate the money. Uh, no, like what would you say to me then if I said that? I'd say for what? Okay. What? Which is what do you want this I'm, money for? Uh, and the, and because see, thing, here's the problem: is a lot of that money. A lot of that money never sees the school. That money okay, goes so, to the bureaucrats who are running the state department of eds and stuff like that. And that, you know, so I would say the majority of that money never reaches the schools that it is intended for. I would think public education needs more money is for the staff, the, the people that work there. Yes. Uh, need continued education. They need incentives. They need. We need more of them. We don't have enough people working in these places. That that would be one of my first things. Is that I think we need to throw more money at it. What to beef up? What I would human. What I would connection. postulate to you is, is that there's already enough money being thrown at the schools to make that happen if the money was used properly. I okay. think there but needs then, to be a deep – before how do you do that? That's like a – you know, you asked some, me for a specific reason why I would want more money. I'm asking for specific ways we can regulate this to make sure – not only that the money makes it to the actual system, but, you know, like what – do you have any ideas? you have any plans? What do you think? At first, I would say kind of something like Trump put in we were talking about at the very beginning of this with him setting up websites for you know agencies to put in their guidelines or whatever whatever is the the school boards in these in these cities in these counties and these states need need some kind of accountability to the public people are being well at least in in the past year people are being labeled as terrorists for going to their school board meetings and asking questions yeah. that the school board doesn't want to answer. And that, stuff that, like that Is that an administrative What? Is that a federal thing, or is, is that federal or local? I, I think part of that's federal. I think the FBI was was the – no, the, 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 the DOJ, the whatever. The – a state can't really label someone a terrorist. That's something that, like, the Department of Homeland Security does. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, yes, that came from the executive branch through the Department of Homeland Security labeling these people as – or trying to label these people as domestic terrorists because they simply went to their school board meetings. And ask, why do we still have mass policies? Why is my son still having to do this? Why can't we come back to school yet? Why are this? Why that? And they didn't want to answer those questions because that's a lot of, of, of how, of how COVID policy worked is 
was, here's what we're doing. Shut up. And that was that. Yeah. You couldn't ask. You couldn't, you, you couldn't just say, hey, well, wait a minute. Let me just, just explain it to me better. You know, explain it to me like I'm a four-year-old. Like, no, they just, no, there's no explaining it at all. This is what we're doing because we have one scientist who came up with this data and whatever. And, you know, I mean, maybe a lot of the data was right. Maybe some of the science is true, blah, 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 whatever, whatever. The fact is, is you couldn't ask questions. And that's not, that's not American at all. Like, you should be able to, hell, that's not science at all. Science is all about asking questions. I mean, it's got to how we get to where we are. But as far as what to do with the money, and I kind of went off the there's there needs to be some form of accountability for the the state and local school board. And the problem with it is right now is they hide under the skirt of the federal Department of Education. And so they have no accountability because they get their money directly from the, the feds. And so they only have to be a, accountable to the feds. Well, if they're just as, you know, if it's, if it's as inbred as most federal agencies are, then the local school boards are, are scratching the back of the federal school board, the, the, or the Department of Education. The Department of Education is scratching the back of the local school board. If you got rid of the federal Department of Education, the local school boards would have to answer to the people who they're getting money from now. Yeah. Which would be us. And I think it would go a long way to that money being better allocated. And then if we better allocate the money and still find that more needs, there's more needed, then okay. Show me why. And if it makes sense, then yes. Yeah. For sure. We, if you need more money, then you should get more money because we all want to teach our kids properly. Yeah. But the only other problem about that is the standards that will be in each state. It's kind of the same with abortion, right? Like you can you get rid of Roe v. Wade and now, you know, Alabama, Alabama can completely ban abortion 100% and California can let you have an abortion, you know, up to a week old. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you really do whatever you want. The same thing will happen in the schools is, you know, Georgia may have this like really straightforward, like this is what we're learning. ABCs, you know, English, like math, arithmetic, or English, arithmetic, all that kind of stuff. And then you got California who's throwing in, you know, a whole course on transgenderism or you know, just whatever, whatever, which, I mean, that's what they want to do. That's what they want to do. I mean, I, you know, but right now with the federal government is, I mean, they're kind of doing it. The, the federal government is kind of pushing some of this stuff anyway. So, I mean, I guess it really doesn't matter. At least we could get, you know, half of the country being taught the way they should be taught. And then the other half of the country is just getting taught lunacy from a young age and, you know, so after this conversation, I'm 100% convinced now that I might be a liberal. <laughs> I think you're more of a libertarian than you are anything else. But. Ooh, someone called me that the other day. Someone called me a libertarian. 
I, you know, I definitely think I'm an anarchist to an extent because I don't, I, I know this much, like, I do believe human Americans get more done with less oversight. What do you yeah. think about that? I, I think Americans yeah. are more productive when people leave them alone. I think I'm not a full on, I'm not a full on anarchist. And here's why is that I think there needs to be like, there needs to be police. There needs to be, you know, you know, judges and stuff like that. There needs to be people who, you know, who hold criminals and stuff accountable. Or else, or else we're just rocking on freaking uh, the law of, of, of vengeance. Just we got vigilantes out here, you know, taking justice into their own hands all the time. You know? And so I think that that would be a little chaotic. I think true anarchy would be a little chaotic, especially with the amount of people that live in this country. It would be a little chaotic. Um, but I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a federalist, man. Like, I, I truly believe that the federal government should only be there, only, to settle disputes between the states and to, like, and to protect us as a whole from, you know, foreign enemies, whatever, whatever. That's really it. <laughs> That's pretty much really all I think they should be there for. And, and so with that being said, I don't think any one of them should be making three hundred to $400,000 a year. I, I don't because yeah, I mean, you, it's outrageous. Your, job, your job should be so simple that you don't, that you should only be up there you know, we'll even say 50% of, of the 365 days in a year, you should be up there. Other than that, you don't really need to be there. Like, there's no point in you being up there making that kind of money because your job is so small. I mean, if anything, the, the, the judges on the Supreme Court should work more days than Congress in my, in my mind. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah, I agree. So. All right. Well, but I, you know, this would be a time that I'd say let's do a segment on liberals and their posts. I've got one. Do you have any? Oh, I always forget that they're going to do this. I had one. I think I, I think I could just remember off the top of my head. Give me a second. But yeah, go ahead with yours. The reason you can't claim an unborn child on your tax return is because the government says it's not a person. It's true. <laughs> okay. But if you shoot a woman, it's a person. If you shoot a pregnant woman, it's a person. Yeah. Yeah. If you shoot, well, I mean, I, I don't know if that's a federal. I know George Bush pushed George Bush Jr. pushed to make that a federal law. I don't know if it is or not. But yeah, like George Bush pushed to have. And I forget, I forget the law. I forget it was, it was some lady that got killed and, and there was, and she was pregnant and the baby died too. And there was no law in the book saying that you could charge that man with double homicide. And somehow it got pushed through. And I don't know if it was on a federal level or if there's a state to have it that way. But yes, if you kill a woman who's pregnant and that baby dies, then you get charged with double homicide. And I guess my question is, is like, do you have to ask the woman first, like if she plans on keeping the baby 
or if she's planning on aborting it. Because if she's planning on aborting it, then is it really double homicide? If, you know, I mean, because, you know, because it's not, I I just think it's such an asinine thing to, that, to say that a baby isn't a person. Like, I, I get it. They haven't breathed their first breath yet, whatever, whatever, but. Like the, your your consciousness starts, and your whole personality and every characteristic in your body starts developing from the minute of conception. Yeah. So, what makes a person what makes a person a person? Their 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 personality, their characteristics. There, like, what makes a person a person? And if you go yeah. on a, if you go on a, on like that kind of level, like a spiritual type level, then yeah, it's, it's. And I'm not, I'm not. When I say spiritual level, I don't mean Christianity, religion, or anything. I just mean spiritual level, which I think everybody has this spiritual thing that they try to whatever. And so, if you go on a purely spiritual level, you are already deemed to be the person that you're going to be from the moment of conception. Now, I mean, there are some things that will change because of the way you're brought up and this, that, or the other thing, but you get a, a one-year-old, a one-year-old has a, a lot of one-year-olds have a strong personality and that you can't attribute that to like their parent. Like that's just, that's how they were born. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's the same. Okay, because here's okay, okay. If you are not determined to be what you're gonna be from that young, from that time, then you can't tell me that you are born gay. Ooh, you just transcended. You just you just went all over with it. I mean, I, I mean, you can't make that argument to me. And then when I say all your characteristics are determined from the moment of conception, because if not from the moment of conception, then when? Because if they're already determined before you're born, then they're determined from the way the cellular makeup of your body is, which is determined at conception. So Man, that's funny right there. So if you're pro-choice, and you decide to kill your baby, what if your baby's gay? Are you a bigot? Yeah. Right. You, you'll, you'll never know. you never know. Um, I want to say this is my – you've heard my argument before. Where do you think a man's say begins on the child? You know, obviously – the liberal mind or the pro-choice mind or the pro-abortion mind is, you know, if you're raped or it's, you know, it's incest, uh, you should be able to abort the fetus, not have to take care of a kid um, that is, you know, from rape and incest. And obviously I would say if a man raped a woman and the woman was got pregnant from it, then the man shouldn't have any say at all. Uh, if she choose to abort it or not. But then I think, you know, if this is a consensual sexual relationship of any kind, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, do you think the man has some, you know, 
say in it? What, what do you think? I think he should. I mean, I and then whether so, and if you are going to say, hey, look, if you're in a consensual relationship or you guys are married, especially married, because married could be easy for if a married woman came in for an abortion, it could be easy to say, okay, is this your husband's kid? Uh, obviously, the married woman is cheating on her husband and she's looking to do this for birth control and, and, and not let her husband find out, that might be different. But if this is your husband's child, you know, should he be notified? Should you guys be counseled? Should he have the awareness that this is what you're choosing to do? Like, does his belief that the fetus is a living thing matter at all? And to what extent should he be able to tell her, no, she can't do it and she must see, see it through? I don't know. You know, this I I feel like we're doing a great disservice by just ignoring these parts of the conversation. You know, yeah, like I mean, I, I, and maybe and maybe we have this full conversation about it and come to the conclusion that no, women should be able to do it, or whatever. Then okay, but but at least we've had the conversation. You know what I'm saying? Like you're right. Like you, yeah. Like ultimately, she makes the decision. But at least I'm included in the process, and I'm aware <clears throat> that you're doing this to my to my child as well. And I can because and I can, even if they're not married, even if it's just a, a dating situation or a you know whatever, and that man should be given the option to tell that woman, "I will raise this baby myself if you carry it." And yes, the 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 woman can still say no. I'm not going to carry this baby nine months just to give it to you, but she may. And I think the man should be able to have the option to at least give her that option. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. A lot of women go and get it, and what their claim is, and we've kind of joked about this, is their claim is is they know that the guy ain't going to stick around if they tell them they're pregnant, so they're just going to get a portion. And, I mean, we've joked about, well, stop stop sleeping with guys who were going to do that. But, but seriously, how do you know? Like, how do you know for sure that man's not going to stick around? It, you, he, may, he may surprise you. So, and ultimately, again, yeah, I mean, it's the woman's choice. It's, you know, if, if a, a man can't make her get an abortion and a man can't make her carry a baby full term. I, I, I kind of agree with that. Make her. But I think that having the conversation and having, giving a woman at least another viable option, if, if possible, is, I think it's, I think we owe that to the, to the fetus, in my opinion. We right. owe that to the life. Uh, to, if there's a chance that this, that this can, this baby can live Maybe a leader Maybe. of the LGBTQ one day. You, yeah, you never know. You we don't have. Know. I, I checked this one out. I found this one, and I thought it was really funny because, and this was, what, you know, when I wanted to talk to you, this was the first thing that came to my mind. My dad voted for Joe Biden, and now he looks back and he says, hey, you know what? They both suck. Um, yeah. And I saw this meme. It said, the term they both suck in quotations is just another way of saying, I wish I didn't vote for him. <laughs> yeah. But, but here's the thing is, and I think we, I think we kind of started off with this is that those same people are sitting around right now, wishing they had voted for Bernie Sanders instead. Yeah. 
wishing that they had pushed Bernie Sanders to get the nomination. So they're not saying that America was better under the conservative. They're saying no, America no. would be better They'll with more liberal. They'll never liberal. admit that. They, they, they feel like they just picked the wrong guy. Yeah. Not the wrong ideology, just the wrong guy. And and a lot of that's because, and here's the thing, man, and I, I, we've all enjoyed listening to Biden talk and making fun of the way that he can't complete a coherent sentence or whatever, whatever. But it's also given them an easy out because if he was coherent and he could articulate well and whatever, whatever, and still did the same thing and this still happened, it would be easier for us to say, see, liberal policy sucks. They blow. You can't do it. It, it, it tears us down when, they, when they're fully implemented like he's doing. They ruin the country. All they say now is, is, well, no, Biden's just an idiot, and Biden can't do this, and Biden can't do that. So they throw it all at yeah. the feet of Biden as a person as opposed to liberalism as an, or progressivism as an ideology. And so I think it it kind of kind of sucks that he's so inept because yeah yeah because they can they can scapegoat that and not learn and from then, their freaking mistakes. Here's my last one, and then I'm gonna let you go, and and we got to get back to doing what we were doing before this. I'm gonna post this one today. Um, let's think of a name for it, man. And and I'll what I'll do is because I'm wrapping up season one anyway. Uh, and so I'll call season two, and I'll, I'll call it this, and we'll, and we'll do at least one week, if not more. You know, we'll. All right. If you're, if you're, yeah. you seem to be enjoying it. We've done over an hour, and we could just keep going and going. It feels like so. Yeah, because I, I have a whole, have I have a whole other, I have a whole other three topics that I was hoping to get to today that we didn't get to. So. Okay. So yeah, <laughs> well, and, and you know what? We'll do that before the end of the week. We'll get to the other topics. Um, yeah, because I mean, and, let's, you know, let, let's just go ahead and put this out there because we got that stern thing. We got this, and because this yeah. was the the meme that I was gonna, I was gonna share is, um, so you know about the guy who just like shot up a bunch. Let's see, what, what do they say he did? Because um, this post says another insane white man with a gun killed six people and injured thirty seven, and at the same time, a black kid um, who was an Uber driver, like committed a traffic violation and attempted to flee from the traffic stop and he was shot over 60 times in his car and killed. Yeah, I, um, I went to Akron two days after. I went to spend the weekend in Akron two days after that happened. Did it happen in, in Akron or in Yeah, right around area? the corner from the hotel I had, yeah. Talmadge Avenue is right around the corner from where my brother lives. It, it was a whole thing. But what they're saying is, you know, you know, the white kid was taken into custody without, you know, incident, but the black kid was shot over six times, which is a good point. I mean, I think there's a lot to that topic that we've unpacked before, which we'll have to unpack on another day. But there's that. Again, making me a liberal all the time with me and the liberalism. (laughs) You know, the next show we do, can we point out what I'm actually conservative about? Like, I mean, holy crap. Uh, I think I think you're you're really a humanist, and so like you side with a lot of things that are you know that on on its face are are very like you know very 
human-y. Like, like we're looking after people because for this and that and the other thing, which is admirable. I'm not saying there's anything bad about it. I just think that in some of the topics, if you delve deeper into them, with the way they're presented today, because there's, there's agendas behind them that aren't as humanistic as you would want them to be. That makes sense. I got to say this, man, you know, is, ah, uh, I don't like heavy regulations. I know that. I don't like taxes. And I will never understand why a conservative backs the blue. We need to set that up for the, one of these times. We need to spend an hour on why conservatives <laughs> back the blue. I, I, I just can't. There's things I just don't we, understand. We back the world. blue on, on, the, on the face of what what the police should be. Does that make sense? Yeah, law and order. Like they they have a law and order in general. Yeah, they have a purpose. It's just just like everything else, we've let them get or we've let them get completely out of control. Um and it's human anything else is is everything susceptible to the human condition. And I think that's where a lot of these platforms fall flat or fall behind is because they're susceptible to the human condition. And when you when you put the human condition into some of this stuff, like you can like police can really screw up someone's life to the point of death just because they want to because they're human. And not, you know, so when when we say back to blue, I think it's more of a of a an i an idea of what it should be, as opposed to you know, whatever, whatever. But um, I was gonna say something before you said that. I totally, I totally forgot what it was. But um, oh, the CERN thing. I mean, we got the CERN thing to talk about. Um, I know. It's, I think the longer we put off the CERN thing, the more it's just not gonna be a thing because that was yesterday, and the portal of hell did not open up. So maybe they were not correct, you know. I don't well, know. in your in, in your idea, if they if this is what they're doing and they open up a portal to hell, I mean, doesn't that bring about? Isn't that to the point of bringing about the end days, which we kind of want anyways? Yeah, I mean, not to the point of we want to bring it about, but I mean, somebody's out there it's doing a conversation the about you know hoping for the uh, return of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our Grooms yeah, I mean, ride. well, it's funny, man, because I went into a right. lot of, like, and I, I was, it was real hard for me yesterday because, uh, so I wanted to learn a little bit about, a little bit about Satanism. I'll just, I'll just say it out. I want, like, like, I feel like you should know your enemy. You know what I'm saying? You should know yeah. what, what, they, what they believe and what they think and why they think it and whatever, whatever. And I was reading and like these Luciferians out here, man, like they literally, some of them literally think that Lucifer is the actual one true God. And uh, stuff like that. Uh, so, because I'm wondering, like, why are you trying to open a portal to Satan? Like, what, like, and like a lot of, you know, some of them just think that Satan's just a deity, like, like Odin or, or, um, Zeus or whatever. And he's just the, you know, the personification of our human nature. Um, and so, I don't know, I went into a lot of it, and man, like, but to, to sit there and think, like, these people actually think that, that Lucifer is the one true God, is that, that's a little scary. 
Well, like here's, they, here's, like, a few, here's, a, here's a few factual tidbits you want to know about Satanism. Number one, it's the youngest religion in mankind. Yes, yes. 1966, that, that I think, was when the Church know. of... Yeah, yeah, in the 1960s, that should let you know that he's not the one true God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah like, when, when Mormonism is older than you are, you're, you don't. You, <laughs> I, I honestly believe that somebody took some acid in the 60s and decided to troll the Christians in America by saying we are going to follow Satan. And I, and I think I think that's what I think that's what the majority of Satanists and Satanism is is just trolling the Christians. Like I really think that's all it is. I really I mean, think it's just, some, no, and if you're Mormon and I offended you in any way, write us a letter. Uh, <laughs> go on antihuckspeaks.com and write me an email. I would love to have that great conversation about Joseph Smith. Yeah. But <laughs> I heard a – man, I can't remember what it was, but I heard something the other day about how, like, every religion got is getting got started because, you know, it's people looking for something else. And um, anyways, I, I don't want to speak ignorantly. I'll, I'll try to see if I can find that thing again. Um I, I but, will tell you this. I honestly do believe it's trying to avoid accountability. I mean, maybe. I really do. Maybe, I believe yeah. a lot that of look at look at the AA program, right? You got a twelve steps of AA, and then Cocaine Anonymous uses it. And at the beginning, they say we use it because it works. Anybody who has deviated from the twelve steps are always trying to get out of accountability. They're like, oh, come down to this other thing. We're going to give you a bunch of different treatments and drugs. You don't need AA or a 12-step program because you don't want to be held accountable. The 12-step program holds you accountable. Yeah. It really Straight does. Up. It gives you a set of guidelines. It makes you it makes you have people in your life that are also aware of these guidelines. And if you fall off of them, they always take you back to them. They're like, hey, you know, that might have happened to you because you weren't following these guidelines. Anybody who goes away from that is trying to find an easier, softer way. I'm not saying 12 steps are the only way. Sure, people find a million different ways. I'm just saying it works because it holds you accountable. Um, I'm going to read this to you. It works if you work it. Yeah. Keep coming back. I find it interesting that if you don't have a uterus, you can't have an opinion on women's issues. However, you can compete in women's sports. <laughs> it's funny, man, because something along the same lines of like, um, you know, I, six nine months ago, y'all were telling us that men could get pregnant, and now you're telling us that men can't have a, an opinion on abortion. Like, you can't have it both ways. <laughs> like, I don't understand. And it's just, and I think that is that is the. That right there is the epitome of of liberalism. Is each new thing, each new quote unquote protest or whatever, at some point contradicts one of their previous ones. Starkly contradicted. It's so funny to me to watch them fall over themselves like that. And just like 
it's all about the mo- the popular thing right now. The what what can, and it's all and to me, man, it's all about control. What can we get people to believe and follow us with today, so that we can we can stay in control? And I just that's and that's that's why again that's why I'm a, a federalist because I think that the government, the federal government, shouldn't have the control. Because there's a thing about the federal government; it's real easy for the federal government to get in bed with the news media or yeah the yeah you know what I'm saying? or what's being taught to our kids like it's real easy yeah. for them to get into that it's a lot harder for a state government to do that especially yeah. in today's society when news is so easily found like uh, like georgia couldn't make it so that all the news you got was from georgia and they could give you whatever whatever view they wanted to give you and try to beat that into your head or brainwash you. Because you could just go on the Internet and find news from Alabama or from California, whatever. Yeah. The federal government, though, they, they, as you see clearly, can get their hooks into the whole news media apparatus, except for a few outliers and can just pretty much dictate the narrative that our country as a as a almost as a whole kind of gets i mean you know we got free thinkers out here and we got people who you know research through several websites or whatever whatever to try to find the actual truth but as a whole people sit around and watch cnn at night i mean they're just caring what the what the the federal government bureaucracy or the swamp as Trump likes to call it they're just, you're, they're just hearing what the swamp wants them to hear and I think that yeah. that would be a lot harder to accomplish if the federal government was uh, like I said a bare, bare bare minimum, yeah, um, bare minimum. There, there, there are articles in the constitution that, that kind of state exactly what the federal government's purview is and we've just gone so above and beyond that that it's that it's ridiculous. <clears throat> I mean, oh, and as far as your, you know, you think there should be gun control, like uh, that was another meme I read the other day is that in actuality, any gun law is unconstitutional, any of them. But uh, <laughs> because because any one of them, in some way, shape, or form infringes on my right or anyone's right to bear arms. But I I kind of agree with you. I think there I think there could be I think there could be some things that that can be done to where it's not really infringement. I don't think that there should be a registry. I don't think that should be a thing at all because it's just proven out in California and it happened in Florida a decade ago is I I don't know if I think it was the, the the DA or somebody for the AG, that's it, the AG for, for California just quote-unquote leaked the gun registry for the whole state. Really? Like how, yeah, like how is that, and nothing's going to happen to him. Like yeah. that's, that should be so illegal. You have just told yeah. every criminal in the state of California what houses they can rob. Yeah, it's awful. Like, straight up. It's awful. These people have guns. Don't go try to rob them. 
Everybody else, fair game. Go for it. Yeah. If I was a non-gun right. owner, I'd be pissed off. But anyways, yeah, we, we got to wrap it up. This is, this, we, this is outrageously long. The next one, we can't make this long. Hour and a half, baby. Yeah. Well, I mean, dude, dude, rusted, rusted three hours a day. You and I can keep going. In fact, Rush did three hours a day. (laughs) I hear you. I hear. All right. You wanted to commit to three hours a day? (laughs) No, no, absolutely not. I'm not Rush Limbaugh. Are you paying me? Are you paying me for this? If you're paying me, I'll do three hours a day. Nobody, nobody (laughs) got paid right out the gate. This is, you know. What oh, advertising do I, oh, that's right. Uh, more landscapes if you need your yard done in the Smyrna area, 404-444-2029. You know I'm not, you know, I'm not paying you for that advertising. <laughs> oh, one day you're going to pay me. I, I know you will one day. First job, first job I get, consistent job in Smyrna that I get from this podcast, you will get a stipend from that freaking job. <laughs> I, I, I like that. We kind of, we're kind of eating our own tail because by the time that this thing would be popular enough to get you work, you can't really afford to keep working there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I need to be doing this three hours a day every day. <laughs> hey, hey I, I'm not doing this for money. I'm doing this because it's fun and it's a good time. But if it ever pays us, that'll be cool. That would be cool. Like, yeah, and same, man. I, I'm, not, I'm not saying, like, I should be getting paid. What I am saying is if you want me to do this three hours a day every day, I, I, I need to be getting paid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, three hours a day every day would be 12 hours of work because we would have to prepare. We are not prepared yet. Like this right here is. No, uh, for three hours? Work. For three hours a day? No, because we have gone, we have gone so far off topic and then eventually come back to topic to just go off the topic again to come back to topic. Like it's, it's ridiculous. Good we have done, I'm going to tell you right now. We have done. I'm going to tell you right now. If all I have to do is strike this up and we could do another hour and a half. All I have to do is say to you, women and men, what's their roles, you know, Christian wise, Christian wise, women and men, what's their roles? What does it look like? You know, why, yeah, here's here's a good question. How come in some marriages men feel emasculated? Is that because the woman has done something, or is that because the man started incorrectly at the beginning? And now that you're in this situation where your wife runs the the household, is there a way to get back without getting divorced? We could end up on another hour and a half, I think, from that topic alone. Yeah, I was I was gonna say, do you want me to answer any of those questions, or are those just <laughs> just for you to say stop. I'm just telling you I can start it up again. <laughs> I'm just telling you I can start it up again. There's a they they Ford F one fifty twenty twenty two electric F one fifty can charge your house like a generator for three days. <laughs> nice. I mean when you hear of an electric F one fifty that can, you know, run for can you know four hundred miles. Tow my, can it tow my trailer for a whole week? It can tow your trailer, and it can uh, and generate your house, and it can generate your job site if you run gutters or anything like that. I say, you make a truck like that that's under $80,000, $80, America. America, baby. America. Yeah. And how much is a truck like that? It's under eighty grand. It's under eighty k. And the funniest thing about this guy 
the the CEO of Ford, I, I forget his name right now. I can look this up, but you know he's a conservative, and he says when they were talking to him, he goes, "Biden was here yesterday, drove the truck around, loves it." <laughs> but here's my here's my question: How long in that in in my truck or what? How long would it take me to spend fifty thousand dollars on gas? I mean, you know, I don't know. There's a lot of luxury to having a truck that can generate your house. Let's be honest about that. But I, you know, when do I need when do I need that? I mean, I'm asking. I'm asking you. That is a cool what? thing. Is all I'm saying. All I'm saying is it's cool. No, it's cool. I'm just saying it's, it's cool, cool. But what I'm saying is, is if I can buy if I can buy a 2022 Ford F-150 gas powered for 30 grand and I can buy an electric one for eighty grand. That fifty grand has to be worth it. Like, are you? Does that mean that? What I'm saying I'm gonna, is, there's no easy way to do the math. You, you're buying luxury. So, so part of yeah. the eighty k is the fact you have a luxury vehicle. A vehicle that can power your job site is a luxury. That's not a necessity. You know what I'm saying? No. Because there's a thing Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, practically, if you're looking at it from a practical standpoint, at no point am I spending fifty thousand dollars to power my house, power my my job site, and put gas in my truck for however many. I mean, it would take several years for something like that. Do you, can we agree on that? There's Tundras, there's Silverados, and there's F-150s on the road now that cannot power your house, and they and they cost eight grand. <laughs> I mean, do they? Yeah, yeah. How much is a Go brand look new? You look at a brand new Silverado gas fire, gas power is, is sixty grand. I mean, that's true. I mean, I I, I don't I never buy my truck new, so. Um, Bro, I bought a penny stock that ran 40%, and I didn't buy that much of it. So, like, 40% on it, let's see here. I guess my profit is, you know. All right, so... Prices for the refreshed 2022 Chevy Silverado in the custom trim level will start at 40,000 with DFC, while the LT is priced for, from 44,000. The the LT Trail Boss is slightly more expensive at 53,000. So that's still, I mean, you're still talking about close to 30 grand. So now, now we're saying 30 grand. Okay, so now that's realistically, you're spending 30 grand on a little bit of luxury, and I think. Fifteen thousand in gas. Uh, let's be. Let's try to figure this out. Um, you probably, you personally, probably spend two hundred dollars a week. You think? No. No, because I, I mean, I only work in Smyrna, though. So you can't really take me into consideration. I only work in Smyrna. So how, my gas. How much I, do you think you spend? From my truck, I, I'd say a hundred dollars a week, but. You go up to about a you probably go up to two hundred when you talk about how much gas I put in my my mower my all that kind of stuff. So 
But yeah, we'll say we'll say we'll, we'll even go a little high and say 125 a week on my truck alone. 125 a week, and it's 52 weeks a year. <clears throat> so we'll do that math. That's six thousand a year. So it'd take you three years to pay for it. I think. I think three years of owning that automobile would justify the the 15 grand of the purchase. That's that's a little more practical. That's a little more practical. And it's America, and, baby. It's America, baby. And America. I can and I can power my and I can power my house for three days. You can power your house for three days and the job sites. <laughs> you can use the generator on the job sites. I think it's amazing. So All right, look, let's let's end this. This is ridiculous. You're you're ridiculous. I, well, can you cut the recording and still keep the phone call? Yeah. Yeah, you wanna keep talking? Thank you for joining Antioch Speaks on that uh, wonderful adventure, and I hope you did enjoy it. Uh, visit us again uh, wherever you get your favorite podcasts and AntiochSpeaks.com. Send us an email. Get involved. You can be interviewed. You can uh, write a blog. There's a number of different things. We need your help. Thank you so much.